0: Listen, I'm going to do something different than what we normally do, but I'm here right now to testify and again saying that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No man go to the Father but by Him. And if you haven't placed your faith and trust, move now. Turn to that person next to you who brought you and say, Listen, I need to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I understand that He came, He shed His blood, He died on that cross, and He rose again on the third day. Move now. Don't wait to the end. We're not guaranteed another second. We're not guaranteed another moment. Maybe you said, I, I'm here by myself. Well, I'm about to pray. And I challenge you to get up out of that seat and go to the back and find someone in the back and say, listen, I need to be saved. Today's the day I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. Today's the day I realize that he died for me. And I see this room filled with people praising him for shedding his blood. And, and I, I want that too. I want, I want to be part of his kingdom. And so this morning, again, I just want to say welcome. Thank you for being here. If you're here visiting with us for the first time, thank you so much. We consider you our honored guest. If you need anything, see someone over at the Welcome Center. Make sure you go by there at the end and, 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 and receive your free gift. And we just want to say thank you again for being here. And as I get into this, I do want to say thank you again to our, our pastor, uh, Brother Kyle, for allowing me to preach again this week. I'm so thankful and grateful for, for two weeks in a row, two, two weeks in a row opportunity to, to share what God has, has impressed upon my heart to preach. And uh, I just want to challenge you uh, to continue to pray uh, for, for our pastor. As he prepares for this next series of sermons that he's going to go through, just continue to lift him up even throughout this week. Pray for him daily that God would continue to prepare him in his heart and make him ready to come and, 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 and give his all for us again. You know, we just wrapped up a great series on the church and I'm looking forward to what's coming next. And, and so you all continue to pray, pray for this, this great man of God. And so this morning... Just as a, a bit of recap of last week, we were talking about being anchored to the truth. And, and, and specifically, I, I had read a few scriptures in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it tells us to look back look back unto the examples that have been left before us or have been left for us in God's word. In in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 1 he says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren. And so Paul writing to the church at Corinth and he he gives them this warning. I don't want you to be unaware of of what's to come and what you're going to face and what you're going to go through. And so look back to what's happened. And And he started mentioning Israel and the things that took place there. And then in verse 6, Of chapter 10, it says, now these things happened as an example for us, so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. And so God's saying, I preserved my word and left these things for you to read and look at and and for me to share so that they would be an example. And then in verse 11, it says, now these things have happened to them as an example. And they were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And as we, I was thinking about this and, and going through the, the, the word, and, and, and God uh, very clearly led me to, to 2 Kings chapter 18 to talk about a king, a king named Hezekiah, a king who, who, who more is written out, uh, about in, in, in the scripture than almost any other king, this, this great king. And, and I think ch- uh, chapter 18 verse 6 kind of sums up this man's life, and, and, and hopefully this is, is the way that we should walk out of this place as well. In chapter 18 verse 6 it says, for he clung to the Lord. And he did not depart from following him. But he kept his commandments. Uh, at which the Lord had commanded Moses. He clung to the Lord. And so we started looking at this great example. Of King Hezekiah. And talking about being anchored to the truth. And if we're truly anchored. Rooted and grounded in this truth. This truth which is Jesus. Then point number one we saw last week. Is that he will be the stability of our times. When we're anchored to this truth, God will be the stability of our times. And we saw that in Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 6. It says, He will be the stability of your times, a wealth of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. And so this morning, let's pray, and we'll get into the rest of this sermon and uh, see how God works and moves this day. Dearly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. God, I do pray right now if there's, there's anybody in this room, again, who, who's never placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe they've been coming to a church, this church, a church, churches for a long time, but they've never truly surrendered their life. I pray that this morning's the morning. I pray that, again, they're even moving right now as I'm speaking, getting up, going to the back, finding someone, saying, listen, I need to be saved today. I'm tired of playing this church game and acting like I have it all together when, I, when I'm not even truly saved. I, I pray that right now they're moving. I mean, there's someone here this morning who, who just heard the gospel for the first time, heard that Jesus came to this earth, born of a virgin, lived that sinless life, died on the cross, rose again on the third day. I pray that they're moving right now and they're going to find someone maybe turning to that person next to them saying, I need to be saved. God, just work and move here as we continue to go through this. Lord, as last week we were talking about just the noise and the evil and the things that that surround us, and yet we still have this stability of our t- of our times, the same stability that was there for for Hezekiah, and 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 we get to look at this this great example of a man who who didn't crave evil things, who didn't go after the evil, wicked things of this world. As a matter of fact, he destroyed them. He 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 them, rid them from from his from his. Life and from the the nation of Judah. And and God, we need to do the same. And if we are, we're anchored to this truth and and rely on God. He will be the stability of our times. Thankful and grateful for the the reminder of what we heard uh, last week. God, lastly, I I do pray for our, our pastor, Lord. I am thankful and grateful for the opportunity this week and last week, and I just pray that you would continue to, to bless and move and work on his heart and, and his mind and, and the words that he's going to speak in the, in the, in the upcoming uh, messages series, Lord. Just continue to, 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 to bless and, and, and pour out on him and his family, Lord, as you see fit. God, we love you. We ask you to just work and move here now as we open this up. God, last week I mentioned something about a soul-filling station, and I pray this week that you would come in here and you would move in this place, and, and we would see some very applicable things that we can go out and do, and we're anchored in this truth. Lord, we love you, we ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen. And so this morning, I want to jump right into this, and point number two is be faithful where you are. Be faithful where you are and, and I hope that, that it doesn't come across wrong right away because, because the truth is I'm not talking about some new age Uh, I don't know, hippie gospel where you just be faithful in whatever you're doing and however you're doing it. I'm not talking about that. No, I'm talking about when God leads you to a place, you be stable and faithful and give your all in that place. Whether it be at home or at church or at your job or in the community, no matter where you're at, you be faithful to God and what he's given you and rely on him and lean on him so that he can lead you through those times. And I believe wholeheartedly that's what we see in Hezekiah. And I mentioned last week, as you go through a study of Hezekiah, he's there in 2 Kings. He's also in the book of Isaiah, but you can't do a proper study about Hezekiah without jumping over to 2 Chronicles. Chapter 32. And it says, And after the acts of of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. And so if you remember last week, Hezekiah was extremely faithful even in the midst of an oppression of the Assyrian army, and specifically this wicked king, Sennacherib. And, 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 and he, he said, it doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't matter the noise. I am going to be faithful, and God is going to be the stability of my times, and I'm going to do what's right in the sight of the Lord. And he clung to the Lord... And then the cherub says, all right, you think you're so big and bad and faithful? Guess what I'm about to do? I'm about to step in and I'm about to destroy the cities of Judah. I'm about to take over every city of Judah fully. I'm not just going to be oppressing you and taxing you. I am going to come in and utterly destroy this place. And they invaded Judah and they besieged the fortified cities. uh, And they thought to break through, to break into them for himself. And now when Hezekiah saw this, when he saw Sennacherib and that he had come and that he had intended to to make war there in the city of Jerusalem where where Hezekiah was, he he didn't stop doing what he was doing. No, he became faithful where he was. He became even more faithful. He became even more stable. He, he became just, just, just ready to, to, to stand up against this evil that was coming in his life. And he decided with his officers in verse 3 and his warriors to, to, to cut off the supply of water from the springs which were outside the city and they helped him. And so many people assembled and they, they, they came together and they stopped up the springs and the, and the streams which flowed through the region. And, and why should the king of Assyria come and find abundant water, he questioned. And he took courage, and he rebuilt all the wall that had been broken down, and he erected towers, and he built another wall outside the wall, and strengthened Milo in the city and, and, uh, of David, and he made weapons and shield and, and, great, and in great numbers. And he appointed military officers over the people, and he gathered them in the square of the city of the gate, and, and he spoke encouraging things to them. Maybe there are some of you here in this room this morning who are even going through some things and it seems like, again, this evil and this noise has come in your life and it's time to be like Hezekiah and be faithful where you are and say, all right, God, strengthen me. God, help me because there's this oppression that's coming on my life from the outside, and I'm ready to build it up. And we see what Hezekiah did. He stopped up the water so it wouldn't, lo- wouldn't look like a, a, a beautiful place. And, he, and then he began to build these walls. And I love what it says there. He built the wall, and then he built towers on that wall for, for overlooked spots. But then it says he, he built another wall outside that wall. He, he's like, listen, this isn't just enough. I know how good and crafty Satan is, so I'm not just going to build one wall. I'm going to bu- build a double wall. And that's what we need to do sometimes in our lives. We say, God, you just keep coming at me with this. I've built one wall, but it doesn't seem to be enough. I need to build a second wall. I need to be ready. I need to be prepared for what's to come. Almost every Sunday morning, I have the privilege of, of, of being here early and and praying with a group of guys, we, we us guys meet up here at seven o'clock, and we pray, and we pray for the day, and we pray for our church, and we pray that we have, God would have a have a great move in this place. And and one of the things I, I've loved most about about that time of prayer is um, the fact that I get to I get to bring my son with me, and. Uh, he, he, I think he enjoys coming. There's times where, where he's out with his grandparents or something and, and he's actually set his alarm early in the morning so he can get up and, and pray with us even when he's, he's not able to be here. Another reason he loves to come is because generally every Sunday we take him to Jr's afterwards and we have breakfast. And it, it, we used to go by, go by Jr's Cafe. There's a little church there, a newer church there called the, the, the Kingdom Chapel. And, and there, there, I guess a couple of people who work there must like Jeeps and drive Jeeps. There's always a couple of Jeeps out in the front early before anybody else gets there. And there used to be this one Jeep backed in there uh, that, 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 was, that was jacked up and had, had all the cool tires and wheels on it and everything like that. But we drove by that Jeep every morning, and, and we, we began reading a sticker on that, on that Jeep that said, Rack Chazak. And uh, we, we, out of curiosity, me and my son, we, we, we looked it up and, and, and we're like, man, what does Rakchazak mean? It's got to mean something. And the other jeep said something else. I don't remember what it says. But I remember Rakchazak. And, 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 and Jake, what does Rachizak mean? To be strong and courageous in the Lord. And, it, and it's something that now me and him will, will, will often say to one another, just just, just out of the blue we'll be like, Rakshazak, and it'll be like, Rakshazak, and, and sometimes it has no meaning behind it or rhyme or reason, but we just start saying it, and I'm like, I don't know how they said it in Hebrew, but I'm like, I think it's more like, Rakshazak, and so we'll start saying this to one another, Rakshazak, be strong and courageous in the Lord, and, and as we go through this stuff, and we go through this mess, and it seems like everything's pressing on, man, we need to remember Rakchazak. We need to be strong and courageous in the Lord. And this is the same thing that, that, that as, as they were building up these walls and building double walls and building towers that that, that, that uh, Hezekiah said to the people. And he spoke encouraging words to them, saying in verse 7: Be strong and courageous. Rakchazak. Rakchazak. Be ready. He is the stability of your times. You're rooted and anchored in him. Brachazak. Do not fear or be dismayed because of this king of Assyria, nor because of the horde that is with him. For the one with us is greater than the one with him. For the one with us is greater than the one with him. And those of us who are here this morning and able to, to to praise his name again as we went off into that to that bridge, oh praise his name, praise his name, and those of us who can praise his name, we know that he is greater than the enemy that is coming after us, that the flesh that wells that up inside of us, he's greater than that. He's greater than the world and the noise that comes in and tries to oppress us. He's greater than all of that. And so therefore, if we're anchored and rooted and grounded and, and, and st- stable in, in our times, then we can know that he is greater. In verse 8, Hezekiah says, with him, or with with, with this Sinacherub, with this Assyrian army, it's just an arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people relied on the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. And so letter A this morning, be faithful at home. Start at home. Start at home with with your family. Be faithful in that place. Don't waver, don't falter. And when things seem to start pressing in, rak be strong and courageous in the lord when when things seem to just be faltering with the children, Rashazak, take straw, be strong and courageous in him sometimes we 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 view children sometimes as a as a burden, and unfortunately, our world has has progressed to a point where it seems like Children are, are definitely a burden to the lost. I think many of us in this room have a different view on children. We love them and we cherish them. And we, we, we were thankful and grateful when they give their life to Jesus Christ. And they, they become part of this, this royalty that we were talking about la- last week. Uh, I don't know how often we think of our children as royalty. How often we think of them as, as, as kings and queens in the kingdom of God. But they are if they've given their life to Jesus Christ. And so we need to start treating them like that. We need to start acting like that. I heard someone tell a story one time about a maternity ward, and there were four fathers in there waiting for the news of their, of their children. And the, and, the, and the nurse came in to the first father and said, I got great news for you. You're having twins. And the man said, that's awesome. I, I, I work for the Minnesota Twins. And then the, 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 the nurse came in, and she talked to the second guy, and she said, I got great news for you. You're having triplets. And he says, well, that's awesome. I, I work for the, for the 3M Corporation. And, 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 and then the, the nurse comes back in again, and, and she talks to the third man there, and she says, I got good news for you. You're having quadruplets. And he says, well, that's amazing. I worked for the four seasons. And then the fourth guy's over there beating his head against the wall, and they said, what's wrong with you? He says, I worked for 7-Up. <laughs> this is the problem. And so, again, that's the... Uh, the story that I've heard and it, it seems like our society is, is, is constantly saying that these children are a problem and we even need to annihilate them from the womb. And I think scripture says something much, much different. In Deuteronomy chapter six, and this, this scripture just keeps coming up in our study. Our pastor has shared it several times in the past few weeks. I shared it at our leadership conference, and just it just keeps coming up over and over again. And I believe there's a reason for this. And it says, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might." That these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as signs on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets, uh, frontals on your forehead, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates so God giving us this great commandment that we shall love him with everything we have and it shall be in the forefront of our mind and we shall teach them diligently to our sons. And I've got good news for you grandparents in this room because if you back up to verse two, not only does it say you should teach them to your sons, not only is it a command for us to teach them to our sons, those of you who have the privilege of being grandparents in here, it also it also says you should teach them to your sons' sons. And so we have a responsibility as as, as parents in this room to teach our sons and daughters, to teach our grandsons and granddaughters. It is our job to, to take what God has given us and teach them diligently unto them. The second part I like about this, about being faithful at home, is, is a lot of times we get this idea that it's just when we sit down for a devotion. That it's just when we, when, we, when we sit down for a bit of Bible study. Well, me and my family, we just started a worship time a, a, a few months ago, and so we sing a song, we, we, we pray together, we, 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 we get out a, a something called a catechism, which is actually a series of questions that we go through, and we have dialogue with our children, and this is what we've established right now as our family time. But here's the thing, it's not just when we diligently teach this to our sons. No, it says, you talk about it when you sit down with him. You talk about it when you wake up in the morning. You talk about it when you go out at night. You you sing songs with them throughout the day. You you put it on on signs about your house. This is just our life. We must be faithful where we are, not just in those small moments of devotion, but every hour of every day. This is who we are, and this is how we're being faithful to our children. So if we're anchored and rooted and grounded in this truth, and he's truly the stability of our times, then we must be faithful at our home. Tony Evans describes it this way. We've all seen a race. We've all seen runners running a race. And and, and there's a particular type of race called a a relay race where, where the baton must be passed. And it doesn't matter how fast you are. It doesn't matter how knowledgeable you are about running that race. It doesn't matter if you have the best shoes, the best clothes, uh, you, you're, you're shaved the best and have the less, least amount of wind drag through the air. It doesn't matter about any of that. If you don't pass that baton correctly, you're going to lose that race. And for us parents and grandparents... Here in this room, man, I just get this picture of us running this race with this baton and those those kids being the ones uh, kind of the next the next leg of that race if you will the next the next person in line in that in that it's for us to pass that baton to and man we have to be faithful we have to be we have to be right on we have to be sure we have to be be, be focused on their hand that's reaching out for us so that we can slap that baton down in their hand and and make sure they have it make sure they have a, a good hold on it we have to be the ones faithfully passing the baton onto our children. Children and grandchildren. It's not for anybody else to do. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that you are to pass these things on, that you are to faithfully, diligently teach them unto your sons and your son's sons. We see a great example of this in First Samuel chapter one and verse nine. It says, Then Hannah rose. After eating and drinking in Shiloh, now Eli, the priest, was sitting uh, seated, sitting sitting on the seat of the doorpost and, uh, of the temple. And so Hannah and her husband Elkanah had gone to the temple each year like they always do to pray. And, and Hannah was greatly distressed because she didn't have a child. In verse 10, it says, and she prayed and she wept bitterly and she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on my affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant. Servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall not come upon his head. We skip down to first Samuel chapter one and verse 19, it says, Then they arose early in the morning, after they had worshipped, after they had done these things, and and and, 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 and prayed before the Lord. And they re- returned again to their house in Rama. And Elkanah had relations with, with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And it came about in due time after Hannah had conceived that she gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah went up with all his household to offer the Lord the yearly sacrifices, to pray his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go until the child is weaned. And then while I bring him, that that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever." Hannah was preparing her child. Hannah was passing the baton. She was making ready this child for what was to come. She said, I'm going to stay here. That way the the child can go away from me, away from my home, and he'll be set. He'll be ready. He'll be rooted and grounded and anchored in the truth himself because I passed the baton on to him. And Elkanah, her husband, said, do what seems best to you. Remain until you've weaned him. Only may the Lord confirm his word. And so the woman remained and nursed the son until she was weaned. Because the Lord had confirmed this. And this is what she was supposed to do. Verse 24. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her. With a three-year-old bull and one ephah of flour and a jug of wine, and they brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the boy to Eli. And she said, "Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me him petition, which I asked of him. So I also dedicated him to the Lord. She didn't just dedicate him to the Lord. And Hannah, Hannah spent time with this child. I believe she talked about the things of the Lord as she woke up in the morning, as she passed by him during the day. I believe there are times in her life where, where maybe even she, she looked to her son and said, "Rachisak, be strong and courageous in the Lord, because God's got something great for you." I believe there were times where she said, "Listen, we're going to stop and we're going to sing unto the Lord." It's this is this is what I I, I believe Hannah did because it it goes on and says she dedicated to the Lord as long as he lived, and he dedicated uh, he dedicated to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord there. And there's a bit of controversy here, but man, I believe this is the boy, the boy Samuel, who, who, who worshiped the Lord there. And the reason he knew how to worship is because this mother passed the baton. And I don't think he just worshiped there because it says in first Samuel chapter two, verse 11, it says, then Elkanah went to his home at Ramah, but the boy ministered to the Lord before Eli, the priest. The only reason that boy Knew how to minister before the priest was because that mother and father passed the baton. The only way our children are going to know to minister and worship and praise and be, be, be faithful to prayer is if we pass that baton. It's our responsibility to be faithful at home. It has to start there. Let her be this morning. Let's be faithful at church, let's be faithful at home. Let's be faithful at church. And I'm going to skip the obvious of just being faithful in attendance. We, we, we need to be here. We need to have our children here. We need to have our grandchildren here. And, and, and again, I just want to say one more thing. Again, I'm so thankful and grateful for you grandparents who make it an obligation to reach out to your children. Maybe even things. I was just talking to someone in the back last week. Maybe even things that you, you learned as you, as you grew older. You, you learn, uh, you, you, you made mistakes as a parent. And you're like, I'm not making these same mistakes with my grandchildren. Listen, I, I'm actually jealous of y'all. Y'all have a unique opportunity to bring those kids in and love them and share scripture with them and sing songs with them and, and have Bible study with them. And then when they get tired and cranky, you just get to send them back to us, parents. Well, you have a prime opportunity to take those things that you've learned through the years and you've gleaned through the years. And I would even say the Bible, again, commands you to share those things with your grandchildren. And so don't waste that time. Don't neglect that time. Be faithful to them. Be, keep being faithful, bringing them to church when the parents aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Keep being faithful to doing these things. Again, this is this is our responsibility. This is your responsibility. So be faithful to church. Thankful and grateful. Again, just being faithful into the house of God I'm not the pastor, so I guess it's perfectly okay for me to to teach and preach on tithing this morning, on giving. And so Malachi chapter 3 and verse... By the way, why is it taboo for pastors to preach and teach on tithing? That is ridiculous. It is part of the Word of God. We should love the whole counsel of the Word of God. And I'm going to see here in just a moment, I'm going to show you here in just a moment, that I think it's much more than just a tithe. We should be giving our everything to the Lord. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse of God so that there may be food in my house and test me now on this. God says, go ahead, test me on this. See what's going to happen when you start bringing your tithe into the storehouse. See what's going to happen. And he says, the Lord, hosts, if, I, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you the blessing until it overflows. I believe the, the New, T- New Testament teaches a, a different way of giving than the Old Testament. I believe it, it, it teaches a, systematic, uh, a systematically different way of teaching, a, a way that's, that's liberal, a, a way that's, that's cheerful, a way that's, that's as unto the Lord as God has prospered us. It's proportionately rather than just a tenth. No mentions made of of tithing in the New Testament. Rather, it's a a suggestion that if if the Jews living under the law of the tenth, if they're living under the law, they gave a tenth, how much more? How much more should us Christians give who are living under grace? And I, I I don't know how to quantify that. I don't know how to put that in numbers. I don't know how to sit here this morning and tell you if you make this much, give this much because God's given it to you and blessed you with it. I don't know that. But, but, but as we're sitting here under the, under the, the, the amazing grace of God, we should be willing to pour out our, our everything in, 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 monetarily. We should be pouring out our, our everything and time and effort and in, in energy even into this house of God, this, this church that God has, has established and allows us to serve and, and be faithful in, or we should be faithful in. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 6, it says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Listen, I'm not sitting here going to try to teach you some false prosperity teaching. I'm not saying that if you begin tithing today, next week, you're going to have double. I'm not telling you that if you, uh, as one person once told me, he told me if I sowed into their ministry, I would be blessed beyond my wildest dreams. That is foolishness. That is a lie. That is not true. Now, let let me say this. That's not true in this lifetime. Because New Testament giving, yes, we will be blessed beyond our wildest. That song, I Can Only Imagine by Mercy Me, I don't get it. Because I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. My my mind's eye can't quite go there and see the spectrum of colors and the things that are going to happen. And the blessings that are going to be poured out on, on me in heaven. And so, yes, we will reap bountifully. It might not be in this lifetime, but it is going to come. And so each one must do what he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We had one of our our brand new couples in the church um, decide to make a a donation for our our outreach, our trunk or treat that's coming up. And they said, you know what, we'll take care of the waters. We're going to give all the waters. And 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 he called me up and he said, Hey Jeffrey, can you can you meet me up at the church and help me unload these waters? And I'm like, Absolutely. And he got here and he and he started telling me about his day. He started telling me about the struggles that had happened but he, the whole time he was saying it he was saying it with a smile on his face and he's like man it was a rough day this morning I had to load up all these waters and, and, and the gift card we were trying to use didn't work and and, and, and and they asked me to pull around the back of the building and he showed me he scraped up his bumper on his truck and he's just smiling the whole time and I'm like man I, I, I do love my truck and I'd be pretty upset if I scratched the bumper on my truck but he's smiling and then he begins to thank me and to thank the church for the opportunity for him and his family to give this blessing to the church. And I'm like, that is the definition of a cheerful giver right there. Someone where the whole morning just seems messed up and out of whack and, and, and wrecking your truck and scratching it up and doing these things. But he's got this smile on his face just so excited for his ability to serve the Lord and give back to him. I'm like, man, that's, that's it. And so as we get ready and we move a uh, shameless plug for outreach, let's continue to bring that candy. Let's continue to sign up for those trunks. Let's continue to, to sign up for the, for the opportunity that we have at the church, or at, at the city one. Listen, we, we're about to be talking about being faithful in our community. What a prime opportunity. A lot of people that come to, to, to our church event or even church members, but up there, man. We have an opportunity to reach the lost, like I think, even greater than maybe in this place, in, in our own parking lot. Not only do we need to be faithful to church, just being here and being in our spot, not only do we be faithful in church and, and, and giving and, 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 and being, uh, again, just sowing uh, bountifully, we, we also need to be faithful in service. We need to be faithful. In our service here at church, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, just back up just a little bit there. This is, therefore, my beloved, brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. We are here and we work and we serve and this toil is not in vain. It's for a purpose to bring honor and glory to God. And the reason we do these things, again, should be to bring honor and glory to God. Always focusing on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the who, and that is Jesus Christ. He's the reason we do what we do. He's the reason we get up and pray. He's the reason we preach. He's the reason we teach. He's the reason we serve. And I'm so thankful and grateful for those who serve. I'm so thankful and grateful for those who, who commit their time and, 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 and strive to be faithful to it. You all know that I'm the student pastor here. God's allowed me to be the student pastor here, and he's, he's brought some faithful servants into our group. And I'm so thankful and grateful for, for, for this team that God has established in our group with my, with my wife and, 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 and Shelby Houston and now Kobe Green coming on and just saying, listen, I'm going to do whatever it takes, whatever you need, whatever the ministry needs. I'm going to be faithful in this. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to just be f- faithfully serving the Lord. Let us see, we need to be faithful in our community. Faithful in our community. I want to turn and, and look at, at Jesus here for just a moment. Our ultimate example, and this is in First John chapter 10. It says, he was in the world and the world was made through him and, and the world did not know him. And he came to his own and, and, and those that were, were his own did not receive him. Listen, serving in our community and loving people in our neighborhoods and around us is going to be hard sometimes. We even see this in the life of Jesus. It says in Luke chapter 14 and verse 14, or chapter 4 verse 14, it says, And Jesus returned to Galilee. And the power of the Spirit and the news about him spread and throughout the surrounding districts. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. But then listen to what happens when he goes home. When he goes to his hometown. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as it was his custom, what he normally did, he entered into the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up and read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book, and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recover uh, the recovery of the sight of the blind, and to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all that were in the synagogue were upon him, were fixed upon him. Doesn't it feel like that sometimes when we try to do things in our community and we try to be different than the world and we try to represent Jesus Christ or even in our, to our neighbors and things like that. And they're just got this blank stare back at us like, what in the world are you doing? That's not the way the world acts. That's not the way the world's supposed to be act, a- acting. And I'm thankful and grateful for those blank stares sometimes that come right back at us. And he, and he, and he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, it's not this Joseph's son. And he said unto them, no doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we we have heard done at Capernaum, do in your hometown as well. And he said unto them, truly I say unto you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you in truth... There were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up about three years and six months and when a great famine was all over the land and yet Elijah was sent to, to none of them but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow there. And, and there were many lepers in the times of Elisha the prophet and none of them were cleansed but only Naaman the Syrian and all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage at the hearing of these things and they got out and he drove him out of the city and led him to the brow of the Hill in which was the city was built in order to throw him down over the cliff. But passing through the midst of them, he went on his way. They say, well, that doesn't sound like a very encouraging message to, to, to go out and preach to our community. That they might possibly reject us. That they, that they might uh, actually despise us. That they might actually want to take us and throw us over. I don't think we have very many cliffs in Saginaw or forward, But there's probably one somewhere. They want to chunk us over a cliff. And I guess my encouragement this morning is to be faithful. Even when they're sitting there staring back at us with this blank stare. Like, I, I don't want what you have. And it seems like times like that, that, that it just, it happens like that over and over again. For Those of you who are, who are faithful to invite, and you grab the invite cards off the back of the table like we say almost every single week, and you take them and, and you hand them to someone and, and they, they look at you and they say, I'll be there Sunday. And you show up Sunday and you begin looking for that person and they don't come. You're like, well maybe something happened, maybe they'll be here next week. And they don't come. And they don't come. And so you go out and you hand out more and more. And they're like, I'll be there. Thank you so much for the invite. And, 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 and then they don't come. Listen, Jesus was rejected to the point where they were willing to, to throw him over a cliff. But he didn't stop. We know that he went on and he went down to Galilee and it, and it says he was teaching to them on the Sabbath and they were all amazed at his teaching for the message and we, we know eventually he makes his way back there to Nazareth and preaches again and things go better the second time. You say, "Well, I, I'm not Jesus. You know, I, I don't know that I have this this faith to go out and do these things. I just want to look at one more example tonight or this morning, and that's." back over in 1st John chapter 1 this is there came a man sent from God there came a man sent from God if you're here this morning and you proclaim the name of Jesus Christ you've been sent by God to go out into your community it's your time, it's my time, it's our time to be faithful in this place where God has planted us, where God has us right now, and go out and, and, and preach and teach the good news of Jesus Christ. John said, and he came, it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify to about the light so that all might believe through him. And he was not the light, but he came to testify of the light, which brings us to letter D. Be faithful to share the gospel. Not only do we need to be faithful in loving people and inviting our neighbors and doing these things in our community, but we must share the gospel. Again, if you're here this morning and you proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, you have been sent from God to go and preach and teach the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to go back to our example we've been looking at, Hezekiah. Because things begin to ramp up here in, in our story Remember, they were under the oppression of Assyria, and then eventually Syria came into Judah. They started destroying the towns and, and doing these things. And eventually, uh, Sennacherib is like, what in the world is Hezekiah doing? Who does he think he is? Standing up to me, this, this, this leader. And I come after my father, who is a great leader as well. And, and we, we are basically controlling the known world. And so Sennacherib sends messengers to Jerusalem. Why? Because, because Hezekiah had a testimony. He, he had a testimony of someone who was faithfully proclaiming God and that, that God could handle the situation and God could take care and God could deliver. And, and we need to have that type of testimony as well as a church, as individuals, that someone who, someone who proclaims the good news, no matter what's going on around them, being, again, anchored in this truth, uh, he's the stability of our times, and therefore we can be faithful in the gospel. After this, send a cherub the Assyrian, sent servants to Jerusalem, While he was besieging Lachish with with his forces with him against Hezekiah, king of Judah, this man who had this, this, this testimony against all of Judah who were at Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, On what are you trusting that you are remaining in Jerusalem under siege? What in the world are you doing, Hezekiah? I've heard about you, I've heard about what you're saying to your people. He goes on, he says, is not Hezekiah misleading you and give to give yourself over to die by hunger and thirst, saying that the Lord our God will deliver us from the hand of this king of Assyria? Has not the same Hezekiah taken away the high places and his altars and, and, and to Judah and, and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before one altar and on it you shall burn incense? Has Hezekiah guy not said this? Is this not his testimony? Do you not know what I, again, since Cherub's saying, you do not know what I've done and my fathers have done to all the people of the land. Where the gods of the nation, of the lands, were able to deliver their hand from, from, from my hand. Who, who was there among all the gods of those nations which my fathers utterly destroyed? Who could deliver his people out of my hand that your God should be able to deliver you from my hand? Now, therefore, do not let Hezekiah deceive you or mislead you or do not uh, believe for, for, for no God of any nation or any king was able to deliver his people from my hand or from the hand of my fathers. How much less will your God deliver you from my hand? And so this king comes to Hezekiah. He says, I know you've got a testimony of sharing the truth. Well, guess what? I'm bigger and badder than your God, and Hezekiah is not wavering. He's being faithful to continue to preach and teach and share this message to his people. I'm going to share a story this morning as a teenager, Charles Spurgeon. Some people call him the Prince of Preachers. He was going to church on a Sunday morning when all of a sudden a snowstorm disrupted his plans. Again, he was walking, he was on foot. And he couldn't make it to the church he had intended to go to, or he wanted to, intended to go to. And he ended up making it to this little primitive Methodist church. Well, guess what? The pastor couldn't make it that morning either. He also was stuck in the snowstorm. And so someone stood up. Someone who had been called by God, and just like we're all called to be faithful to preach and teach the good news, a layman stood in the pulpit that morning. Someone who was not a a pastor per se, who was not a, 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 a bishop, was not an elder as the Bible calls it. He was none of those things. He hadn't prepared a sermon, but he faithfully, faithfully declared the way of salvation. He turned to Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 22, and he said, turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. This man just standing up in the, in the place of, 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 of his passing. Brother Kyle is supposed to be back next week. And, and then let's say I'm out sick. And then something happens to him. Who's going to stand up? Who's going to stand in this place? Who's going to go out tomorrow and preach to those people at your, at your job? I say this to the students all the time. Listen, there are thousands and thousands of students in their schools that I will never even meet. I will never even see. I, many of them, I will never have any contact with thousands of them. And yet they see them every day and have an opportunity to preach and teach. This one message by one layman, this one message by one person who's not a pastor, this gospel radically transformed Charles Spurgeon's life. And he says this, that happy day when I found the Savior, I learned to cling to His dear feet, just like Ezekiah clung to the Lord that day. Charles Spurgeon learned to cling to His dear feet. It was a day that will never be forgotten by me. An obscure, obscure child, unknown, unheard of, and I listened to the Word of God, and that precious text led me to the cross of Christ. I can testify that the joy, the joy of that day was utterly indescribable. And those of us in this room who were saved, we can testify of that day that it was just—it's. Utterly undescribable. That day we gave our life to the world, the, the, to Jesus. He said, I, "I could have leaped, I could have danced, I, I." But there was no expression which would have been keep, would, have, would have been out of keeping with the joy of my spirit that hour. Man, if you've ever led someone to the Lord, you, you 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 know you you even see it on their face and in their hearts and in their in the thing and you just see that radical transform transformation at the moment of salvation. It's 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 worth every word that's that's shed, it's worth every every rejection that comes. It's 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 worth being faithful for. And Acts chapter one verse eight. But you, you, you've now received the power of the Holy Spirit. When he's come, when he's come upon you, when you receive it, you shall be witnesses of me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even the other to the remotest part of the earth. And so we need to be faithful in our community we need to be faithful in preaching the gospel in our community and also beyond we had missions emphasis last week last week and we can't forget to be faithfully giving to those missionaries and and sending that gospel around the world and going when we have opportunities and lastly this morning we need to be faithful to pray we need to be faithful to prayer excuse me we need to be faithful to prayer Back to the text we started with in 2 Kings, but we're going to skip down to chapter 19. 2 Kings chapter 19. Sennacherib, the Assyrian, wasn't letting up. This oppression was just keep coming. This noise from the outside world just just kept coming. And Hezekiah knew exactly what to do. In verse 14, it says, Then Hezekiah took a letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. You see, Sennacherib had sent a nasty gram. He had sent an ugly email. He had sent a, 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 a man, I, Hezekiah, I hate you. Like, you're disgusting me. You're telling everybody to rely on this Lord, on, on, this, on your Lord. And, and Hezekiah took it, he read it. And then he went up to the house of the Lord. And he spread it out before the Lord. He took this letter this mess, this noise that was coming from the outside, and, and, he, and he took it and he spread it out before God. And and a lot of times, again, we we make this mistake. We don't take our problems. We don't take the things that are going on in our world, and, and we don't spread them out before God. We just kind of hold on to them and try to fix it ourselves and, and manipulate the situation or whatever it might be, when really we just need to take this mess and spread it out before the Lord. And then Hezekiah Again, he knew what to do. He prayed before the Lord, and he said, "O Lord, the God of Israel, who is enthroned above, who are who are enthroned above the cherubim. You are God. You alone over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And listen." To these words that Sinab Cherub says. He spread it out before. He's like, Look at this, look at this mess that's going on in my life. And again, times I need to say, God, just look at this mess that's happening in my life, which he has sent a reproach unto the living God. Verse 17 Truly, O Lord, the king of Assyria ha- have devastated the nation in their lands and have cast out their gods with little g into fire. For they were not gods, but, but he gets it right. He's like, but they were, they were the works of men's hand. They were wood and stone. And so he, has, uh, since Cherub, he was able to destroy them. But verse 19, now, O Lord, our God, I pray, deliver us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are Lord, our God. And let's be faithful in these things so that the people around us will know that there is one God and he's ruling and reigning on that throne. And, and, and he's the one that is the stability of our times. And he's the one that's, that's faithful. And, and, and because of him, we can be faithful also right where we're at, wherever that might be. Dearly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. God, I pray. Maybe there's some in this room this morning who are still uh, struggling with getting rooted and anchored, so that so that you can really be the stability. There just seems to be a, a mess and and a, and a and a noise and stuff that's surrounding them. God, I pray this morning uh, again they would they they would be able to eliminate that. Maybe even go back to that last point we we had, and they just need to just need to lay it out before you, Lord. Maybe this morning the this 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 altar, this place where 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 you're at, God, this opportunity that we have to to, to respond and to, to lay things before your feet is exactly what needs to happen this morning. Just a, a people coming down and, and laying it out on the altar saying, God, I'm sorry. Maybe there's some this morning who 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 realize they're not being faithful at home. They're not being faithful in this, in, this, in this first place, God, this place of home with their, with their children, with their family. And, and they're not talking about it when they, when they just walk around. They're not talking about when they rise up and when they lie down. And, and they might have a little Bible study, but the rest of the time, it's just, it's just a mess. God, I pray this morning they come and they'd lay that at your feet. Maybe it's being faithful in the community. Maybe it's having the boldness to preach, to teach. Maybe it's 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 having that 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 willingness to be a cheerful giver. God, I, I don't know what all's going on in this room, but but I pray this morning that you would work and move here as we get going in this invitation. God just bless now as we, we open up this altar and I pray that, that your people would move. Maybe lastly, Lord, there's someone here who who didn't move at the beginning of this sermon when I, when I shared. Maybe there's somebody here who doesn't know Jesus Christ. I pray that now would be the time. All right, I, I'm not leaving this place not knowing Jesus. I pray that they would be saved this morning, God. We love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.